Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. As we uh, continue our series uh, in uh, thinking about the big picture of the Bible, I want to start by getting you to think about uh, people who uh, you know who are influential when they speak, people who have influence. When I think of uh, influential people, I sort of uh, am taken back into my childhood and a, a very vivid memory I have of uh, John Law's sitting in front of a golden microphone uh, saying Valvoline, you know what I mean, uh, and also uh, many other things. He was a man, um, I guess a little bit like Alan Jones today, who sort of was around then too, uh, who commanded influence with his show. Many listeners, people uh, wanted to hear what he had to say. Uh, They took uh, on board what he had to say. Uh, And politicians and leaders uh, often had to go and answer to him uh, in his radio studio. An extremely uh, powerful voice. One who was able to uh, speak powerfully into situations. And of course... He was just one man on a mission for better ratings. But as we think today of the prophets of God, we're thinking of people who are similarly called to have a big voice. Though it's not their own voice, they're called to bring the word of God to bear on the lives of the people. Their job is to broadcast God's words to the leaders and people of the day. But before we think a little bit more about these prophets and their message, let us first remember where we're going. God's big picture. You'll know it's about the kingdom of God. You'll know that after we say kingdom of God, the thing that comes next is God's people in God's place, living under God's rule and blessing. Well done. There's at least three of you who are going to get an A at the end of this uh, sermon series. And you uh, might remember that that pattern of the kingdom is established when God creates the world in Genesis 1 and 2. That Adam and Eve are God's people, that they live in the Garden of Eden, God's place, and that they enjoy God's rule and blessing. Uh, He gives them the rules, they live by it, he he walks in the garden with them, they enjoy the blessing of his presence. But of course, they don't follow the rules for very long, one chapter in total... Uh, And in chapter 3, the kingdom perishes. God's people choose not to follow God's rule uh, and therefore are unable to enjoy the blessing of his presence uh, and no longer are able to live in the land. God instead uh, puts them under a curse. And as the story unfolds, we see the curse of sin rear its ugly head again and again. And God's grace continue to meet that sin and to bring forgiveness, uh, but also judgment. Uh, when we get to Genesis 12 and God acts specifically to choose Abram, who becomes Abraham, to be the one whom he promises to establish his kingdom. You will be the person uh, through whom I realise my kingdom, God's people in God's place, under God's rule and blessing. 
And then from that moment in Genesis 12, right through uh, the rest of the story, through to the end of the book of Kings, we see the kingdom partially fulfilled. God uh, creates a nation from the offspring of Abraham. Uh, As they are rescued from slavery in the book of Exodus, he brings them to Mount Sinai and gives them his rule and sets up the tabernacle so he can live among them and they can enjoy the blessing of his presence once more. And as they come out uh, out of slavery in Egypt, they're on their way to the promised land where they will live in God's place under that rule, enjoying that blessing. Uh, Perhaps this is all it's meant to be. And as the story progresses, we see God gives the people a king, one whom can rule over them and is meant to be the one who leads and guides them uh, into righteous living, into living the blessed life, the life where they seek to be God's people in God's place, living under God's rule and blessing. But of course, much as it did in the Garden of Eden, In the promised land, the kingdom seems to perish and fail yet again. Though under the rule of David and Solomon, it looks as though God's promises might be totally fulfilled, we see it is only a partial fulfilment. For things are not as good as they may seem. And in fact, the problem but reared its ugly head in the garden, the problem of sin and disobedience is still not dealt with. And so David and Solomon, though good and though their rule brought much peace and prosperity to the people of God in the promised land, they fell in their own ways. David with the the sin of adultery, uh, Solomon taking many, many wives and concubines and getting horses from Egypt, the exact thing God told kings not to do through Moses in Deuteronomy. And so we see... The pattern repeats itself because from there it just gets worse and worse and worse. The kingdom divides between Solomon's sons uh, and on and on into idolatry they go with a few moments of, uh, uh, of good points throughout the rest of their history. But for the majority of time it is one of a failure of God's people to live under God's rule and therefore to enjoy his blessing. The people of God fail to do what God has called them to do. They sin. And just as the sin of Adam and Eve meant that they were banished from the garden, the sin of God's people Israel and Judah means they too are banished from God's place. They are exiled. And it's during the lead up to this period of exile where God's people are are rebelling against him and not living as they ought and then during this period of exile where they're no longer living in the promised land that the prophets come to the fore. But here we have people who speak God's word to God's people and who warn them of what will happen if they don't follow God's rule but who also bring hope and encouragement that God will fulfil his promises in spite of them. So who are the prophets? Well, the prophets, these are the men uh, who speak uh, God's word to others. Peter, as he reflects on the prophets in his letter, 
<coughs> excuse me, to Peter, says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. These are people who are speaking the words of God to those around them. And this is their own claim as well. So we read in places like Jeremiah 1, as he's beginning his prophetic oracles, the word of the Lord came to me saying, prophets are not speaking their own language. They're speaking God's word to the people. And the, the original prophet, I guess, if you will, is Moses. For he's the one for, through whom God, first of all, brings his word to bear. He brings the, the law to the people of God through Moses. And through Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, they're warned that obedience brings blessing, but disobedience brings a curse, brings judgment. And that is the standard to which the people of God are held from that moment onwards. And it's the standard to which the prophets continually call people back to. They're not making new stuff up. Though they may have new insights and and, and a fresh uh, explanation to people in a new generation. But they are ultimately calling people back to that first word that God gave at Mount Sinai. That the people of God need to do as he says. And if they do, life will go well for them. But if they don't, they will face God's judgment. And so we read in the end of the book of Kings about Elijah and Elisha who come and have this ministry of confronting the kings and calling the people to trust and repentance in God. And then uh, as we move on from their ministry, we have the written prophets who have their own books that contain the words and the stories uh, that these uh, people uh, shared with the, the kings and the people of their day, warning people to repent There's prophets to the northern kingdom, which falls first, is the first one exiled out of the promised land. There's prophecies to the southern kingdom, which uh, is exiled over a sort of uh, two-step process over about ten or so years. All these prophetic books, though, have two kind of dominant themes. Judgment and hope. Which you can see, can't you, how they might be connected to the the original promises of God. Live like this, enjoy my blessing, hope, who God is and what he's promised. And judgment, fail to do that and things will not go well for you. So let's uh, take a moment to consider these two big themes of the prophets as they call God's people to live according to God's kingdom. We take judgment first. Of course, judgment and the judgment of God is a highly unpopular topic in 2019, as we've seen with Israel Falau. But it's a highly unpopular topic all the time, actually. Uh, No one enjoys the prophets turning up and saying, hey, God's going to judge you for the way you're living. They have just as rough a time of it as people who might try and call people Uh, away from sinful living today have. In the Bible and in the prophetic books in particular, we see constant warning and constant predictions of the judgment of God on human sin. I mean, we saw it a little bit in the reading we had today from Hosea. 
When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, chapter 1, verse 2, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. That's their situation, he says, and I'm going to judge you for it. God's people need to remember that he, has, that, that he has chosen them and therefore they are called to live in response to that great blessing. And actually when you think about it, it's quite remarkable that God would be so patient with his people because it's a long period of time where they again and again and again fail to trust him. And yet God ultimately must deal with their sin. God hates sin. God will judge it. This is the message of the prophets. And ultimately the people of God are exiled from the promised land because they fail to heed the warning. God hates sin. He will judge it. And you don't want to be on the receiving end of that. That's the message that we can take out of the prophets. And of course, what we see as this story unfolds is that the big problem for the Israelites is that they had no real way of dealing with their sin. All the sacrifices in the temple, these were simply a band-aid problem to a solution that went straight to the heart. We see that... Uh, in the judgment of God, the big problem of humanity. That if any of us are going to have any hope of enjoying God's blessing and God's promises to Abraham, then we're going to need God to help us because we're going to need God to do something about our sin because left to our own devices, we can't do it. And of course, this is where the other major theme of the prophets come in. Hope. The prophets lay bare before the people their failure to live as God's people, their their sin. And yet, they filled with hope that God's going to fix it. That God's going to do something about it. That God will be faithful to his promises because they are his promises. That he will make good on what he promised to Abraham even though there's this big problem of human sinfulness and rebellion. We see it, don't we, in the book of Hosea. Although it starts in judgment, it ends in hope. In fact, part of what the prophets are doing is as they bring God's judgment to bear and then as they move to the hope that they can have that God is faithful, they point people back to David and Solomon and the good times, but they say actually it's going to be even better than that was. God's got something in store for you, just like those good times, only it's so much better. That was never the end goal, and we're not trying to get back there. We're going forward to something better. 
to the kingdom of God being not partially but fully realised. This is the hope of the prophets. The hope that God's people will be numerous and expand. So places like Isaiah the prophet, uh, uh, chapter 49 verse 6, we read, Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept? I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. There's this promise of God's salvation and blessing uh, through one servant going worldwide. There's the promise that God's people will uh, inhabit not just the promised land, but the whole world. In Isaiah 65, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. There's the promise of a new king. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, for us a child is born, to us a son is given. You might remember that from Christmas. It's a promise that God is going to make good on the promises of old. And of course, perhaps greatest of all, the promise that God will finally deal with this big fat problem of sin. Judgment comes to the people again and again because sin is not dealt with. But God says, I'm going to fix this big problem. Let me read to you what he says in Ezekiel chapter 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I know you can't do it. I needed you to realize that too. So I'm going to give you the spirit. And he will move you to be the kind of people I want you to be. God comes and not only rescues us from sin, but then empowers us to live lives that are totally different. Or we heard Peter quote from the prophet Joel in our New Testament reading. uh, And I'll read to you from Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance as the Lord has said. This is the hope of the prophets that sin will be dealt with and we know that this happens through the coming of Christ and we're going to get to Jesus next week in this big picture overview but as we think of this calling of the prophets to return to God to turn from their sin and to trust him and look forward with hope to God's good promises being made realised. I think we ought to marvel at the season of history in which we live. That that promise that he makes through the prophet Ezekiel of a new heart and a new spirit who will move us to follow his decrees and keep his laws, that is fulfilled. 
the coming of the Holy Spirit, who I think we uh, technically in church calendar land recognise next Sunday at the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. This is our reality. God has given us his spirit so that we can follow him. I don't know about you, but when you start working your way through the, through the story of the Old Testament and you realise that it's all pointing to Jesus and he's going to come and fix it and then we're going to get the spirit that's going to help us to live. And now we're there. Uh, can't, can you not help but be moved by what God has done and that he caused you to be born today? That you might experience his presence not in a temple but in your heart and that he call you to live for him and not leave you to your own devices but empower you to do it what a wonderful blessing we have from God to be his people in 2019 after the coming of the Lord Jesus and the sending of his spirit to empower us for mission and service. There will be people here today who've got no idea what I'm talking about. Who don't know the joy of a spirit-filled life. I'm not talking about something special and supernatural. I'm talking about the joy of a life where you've bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus and his spirit has filled you because you don't do that without the spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit goes to work on you, you can't help but fall on your knees and look at the Lord Jesus and give thanks with a grateful heart for all that he has done for you. And you can't help but be motivated for mission and for his service because the spirit is the one motivating you. If you've never experienced anything like that, please come and talk to me. For God wants you to have his spirit. He wants you to know the promises fulfilled that he talks about in the Old Testament prophets. God has ended the spiritual exile of his people. And we live in that day now. We'll see more of how he does it next week with the Lord Jesus. But if you're keen and you're interested and you want to know more, please come and see me over uh, morning tea. Uh, We can pray together. We can talk more about what this means. For there is nothing more important... than trusting the Lord Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill your heart. Let me pray for us. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you were encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church. www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.